0: Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not so classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi. I'm Ken Sandberg.
1: And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler.
0: Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf.
1: We're in central Philadelphia, kind of now, but we're going to be here for a few days now. I'm
0: not a rapper. (laughs) You're also not a Philadelphian because you don't know your Philadelphia geography. Strictly speaking, being west of the river, we are in West Philadelphia.
1: Damn it, I didn't have to switch it at all. (laughs) I could have just been like, we're in West Philadelphia for a few days and we're gonna record and sing some praise about ourselves. (laughs) I don't know. know. (laughs)
0: I'll I'll try to to edit out that big pause. You just in the middle of that what you thought.
1: Hi, everybody. <laughs> we are in, if you've been following us, uh, we have been traveling a lot. And yeah. the past couple of weeks, we've come to you from different locations. Yeah, I think this is our
0: fourth location in four weeks or yeah, something.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we are currently uh, in University City, Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, for a couple of days. And uh, we're coming at you from Airbnb, like number three of this trip.
0: At least, <laughs> at yeah. At least, yeah, we've been cruising through them.
1: Yeah, so uh, but hi. yeah,
0: it's uh, it's it's fun to be back in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. We haven't been here very long and didn't really go out and do anything today because it's the heat hot. index is over a hundred degrees. It was
1: like a hundred and five heat index.
0: So we basically spent today sitting in the air conditioning. Yeah,
1: we went and walked to like find a place to park the car that wasn't in a metered or like timed yep. area, and so we were out for maybe twenty minutes with our coffee this morning. I got back here and I was like, "Yeah," and that was at like t- like 9.30, nine, yeah, about 9.30, 10. 30 10
0: o'clock, something like it that. It was already that hot. I, I went out and got yeah. Wawa because we're in Philadelphia. What mm. else are you going to do Wawa. for breakfast? Um, And yeah, that was a sweaty trip.
1: Yeah. So we decided today was a lay in bed and um, watch... Uh, Netflix, Netflix and chill day. Yeah, literally Netflix and chill under the air in, conditioning. In the air conditioning, that yeah, it was great, great. in this Airbnb. <laughs> so I hope you're all staying cool. I know there's a heat wave going around the country and a uh, hurricane first hurricane of the season. So if you're in Florida, stay safe, stay
0: dry or stay cool, depending on which part of the country you're in.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Good times. Yay, great oldies. Uh, Cool
0: 108.
1: Speaking of oldies, we're almost a year old.
0: Yeah, next week will be our one-year anniversary. Which
1: is crazy.
0: (laughs) And to celebrate, we'll not be recording in the same room we
1: will not for the first time ever uh if we end up so we so we have uh
0: we've already because heather was going to be supposed to be on a cruise ship (laughs) at
1: this point i was supposed to like be boarding the cruise ship like this week
0: we had started recording some back episodes but next week because we're going to be in two different places because heather's heading back to iowa and i'm sticking around the east coast in order to finish uh shooting a movie that I'm going to be working on. Um we're going to be using one of those pre-recorded stories. So you'll still get our clever and witty spur of the moment banter before that, but it'll be a story that we recorded a couple of months ago and I'm super excited for you to hear it. It also times out well because it's a story Heather will be reading and next week is supposed to be Heather's turn to exactly. read. Exactly. Anyway. It's like we
1: planned it. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't because we don't plan anything as you can tell. Yeah.
0: Uh <laughs> in other news, uh, dear listeners, if you are planning on being in West Virginia in late September and or early October, um, I will be... Oh, we're
1: talking about this. Okay, yeah.
0: Cool. I, I finally chatted with the theater. So, uh, yeah. so we can, Great. we Good. can make it an official announcement that as we're recording, this actually won't even come out for another week. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to be in West Virginia in late September or early October, I would invite you to swing by the Greenbrier Valley Theater in Lewisburg, West Virginia, uh, where I will be playing Mr. Darcy in their production this fall of Pride and Prejudice. He's
1: playing Mr. Darcy. I'm engaged to Mr. Darcy. y'all. So if
0: we have any fans in the West Virginia area, please do come check that out. It'd be a lot of fun. So
1: I'm going to give a shout out to the playwright of that show. Um, She goes to my uh, gym. Uh, and I had the honor of doing her Sense and Sensibility adaption a few years back, Kate Hamill. It is not like a straight adaption of the book. So it is not, and I don't want to, like, I love Jane Austen. So she's not boring, but what Kate has done is updated it and made them very innovative. And- a tagline
0: that theaters often use when they're doing her productions of Jane Austen, is Not Your Grandma's Jane Austen.
1: It, yes. So I am thrilled to get to see this because I've, I've read the Pride and Prejudice adaption, but I've not gotten to see it yet. So, And if you're in Iowa, I'll give a shout out to Riverside Theater uh, um, if you're in Iowa or the surrounding areas, which some of our listeners are, like my parents. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they are about to open Winter's Tale and it's free Shakespeare in City Park. So you call ahead and get your tickets, but it's free. Um and then I'm gonna be stage managing, which is a new role for me. Uh, I haven't done that since like back in my summer stock days. Uh, I'm gonna be stage managing *Comedy of Errors*, and I, which is my favorite Shakespeare comedy. So that's happening in August. So if you're there, that's also free. So shout out to Greenbrier and Riverside. We're we're going back to work. Yeah, that feels good, huh? That
0: feels nice. That feels but real don't good. Don't worry. We'll still be here for you every Tuesday.
1: We're not leaving you, y'all. We like this. And you guys like us, too. I mean, every week, it, it gets a little better and a little more popular. And that makes us feel good about ourselves. And that means we're making people laugh. And so
0: thank you so much for sharing with new people. Yes. That's great. Continue to share with um, five
1: friends because it's working.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: We joke about it, but that's how it goes, y'all. That's how, that's how podcasts become the podcast. So keep sharing us with five or 10 or whoever you want. Well, to. I think that's
0: enough shameless self promotion. <laughs>
1: Let's promote someone else. Let's promote someone else. Yeah. Do we have any promos this week? We do indeed. Uh, we have a. It's actually one of our uh, um, patrons. Oh. So I have mentioned Mario, who is the host before, because back when we were doing our promo for Ken's sexy calendar um, to get more patrons, uh, Mario. Became a patron, and so I've given a shout-out to his podcast before, but I have not, we have not played the promo. So this is Superiority Complex Podcast.
0: All right, let's hear what you got.
2: Hi, guys. We interrupt your favorite podcast to interrupt you with an ad for your new favorite podcast.
0: Wait, wait. Isn't this playing on somebody else's show? Exactly. So then how are we—I inter- thought we were their new favorite podcast. Well, we're going
2: to become their new favorite podcast after they hear this advertisement for our show. What's our show called, Justine? Superiority Complex Yeah, where can they find us, Patrick? Uh, Twitter and Facebook Yeah, exactly You can go to at Soup Complex on Twitter, S-O-U-P Complex And you can go to Facebook.com slash Soup Complex But our main page is on Podbean And you can find us there at www.SuperiorityComplex.Podbean.com New episodes are out every Thursday Justine, yes. what do we talk about on the Superiority Complex? Nerdy stuff Don't get all sensual with your voice. Yeah, did you hear that? I heard it. It's a little inappropriate. If you want to hear a little more of that, tune in to the Superiority Complex. One more time, justine. What do we talk about? Nerdy stuff. Nah,
0: wasn't the same. You tried.
1: So, what do they talk about? Nerdy Nerdy stuff. stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that is the perfect one to play after last week's episode. And if you haven't listened yet, go do that. You'll understand. Harry. <laughs> but uh, uh, Mario is the one I usually contact with who is your main voice there. Um, and they do a great job. And if you uh, are nerds like we are, you should definitely go check them out. They've been very supportive of us. And so you should go be supportive of them and check it out while you're on a road trip or on your way to work and whatnot.
0: And as as you can hear from just, just that promo, they make it clear, they have a very similar sort of dry disorganized discombobulated sense of humor as we do so I um, love a
1: little shoot the shit podcast yeah so if
0: if you like what we do for some reason you'll probably like what they do yeah Yep. I
1: I mean I I I will say that the podcasts that have been like incredibly supportive of us that we tend to mention over and over again because we have three podcasts that are actually patrons of us which is like that's so nice and amazing and then we have a couple that have bought us coffees and whatnot um because it is such a supportive community so uh but they are all very like shoot the shit style podcasts like they do a little research you know because they anytime they're speaking about factual things but then it's a very like let's let's just be ourselves be our nerdy crazy weird selves
0: well because you have to do some research otherwise what are you even talking about
1: (laughs) you're just like La la la. So let me
0: tell you the story I heard once about
1: <laughs> And that's no that's just how our stories are so that's, but they've been written so Yeah. We read them poorly or well. Some people think we read uh we got a new review on Apple Podcasts that I just saw last week. Um someone was like, "Um hello Audible audiobooks, why are you not hiring these people to read your books because if they're doing this on the cuff then damn
0: <laughs> fantastic five stars publishing companies should hire these two to read audiobooks their voices are fantastic fantastic chemistry stories and production keep up the great work sincerely your friends from the tuesday tailgate podcast hey tuesday
1: tailgate yeah we're friends on the twitter yeah so
0: thank you tuesday tailgate podcast yeah. and to everyone Very else who has
1: read uh or has written a review for us on apple podcast or on uh, Pod Chaser or giving us a five star rating wherever that that really is so helpful and it makes us feel really good about ourselves. So we have a superiority complex. Hey, hey I tied it back to our promo. So yes, go check out Superiority Complex. Give them a review as well. And, uh, and
0: go check out Tuesday Tailgate podcast go while you're at it. Check out
1: Tuesday Tailgate. Um, yeah, we love podcasts. They're great and it's like I said it's such a supportive community so it is really like genuinely I'm just like go give them love because that's how they get more listens it
0: is but you don't get love just by talking about wanting love you get love by doing the thing you do
1: um okay thanks Carrie Bradshaw That sounded like that. an intro to sex in the city. You don't, you don't get, get love by talking, by talking about, about wanting, wanting love.
0: love. You get love by doing what you do.
1: I'm pretty sure that was what she did in the episode where she like teaches a like community college course. <laughs> so she's like, "You're not going to find love in this room. I'm taking you all to the bar. Let's go." <laughs> she takes like her students to the bar and like teaches them how to like hit on guys.
0: I feel like that is of um I'll go ahead and say questionable legality.
1: Uh, they were uh, like adult students. This was like an adult college. So That's they That's like fine. She's 30s. still
0: a teacher taking her students to a bar.
1: It was like a lecture. Uh, it was like a one night lecture. It wasn't like they there were no grades involved. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I guess we should do what we came here to do. What do we do, Ken?
0: So if you're a first time listener and uh, statistically speaking, probably at least one of you is. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do on this podcast is every other week we take turns. Reading stories um, written usually many, many decades ago from the public domain. Uh, This week, Heather has chosen a story for me to attempt to read to you, previously sight unseen. I will probably stumble over words and we will almost certainly laugh at some sort of accidental penis joke. joke and possibly some outdated sexism or racism that comes up with disturbing frequently.
1: It, yeah. It, it, that'll happen. So do you want to know who you're reading this week? I do. So because this person has come up quite frequently in the past, what, 54 weeks, 54, 54 weeks, 50, episodes, 54 51 episodes, 51 weeks, 51 weeks. Cause next week is our year. Technically. Um, I was like, it's about time, so we better do it. And we've already offended them once by saying, screw you. So this week you are reading Samuel Langhorn Clemens and or better known as Mark Twain. Excellent.
0: Screw you, Mark Twain. Screw
1: you, Mark Twain. That was, that was like episode 51, I think, actually. <laughs> I don't okay. know. He's a dick. <laughs> He's a dick. He's actually not, was what I found out. He's actually <laughs> pretty cool. And he actually had a reason for why he was kind of a dick later in life. So that's fair. Anyway.
0: He hated Jane Austen.
1: He, he, um. Or was possibly or in love with her. had a very large crush on Jane Austen, or, you know, just had some, like, depression issues. Unresolved
0: will, mommy issues with Jane Austen.
1: We will, I'm going to tell you all get about it, on that? Cool. it. So, Samuel Langhorne Clemens was born November 30th, 1835, in Florida, Missouri. Woof. Uh, he was the sixth of seven children. Uh, he was born two months prematurely, and so he was relatively uh, in poor health, like many of our authors. Yeah, kind of like they spend a lot of time indoors. Yeah, because the
0: healthy ones, you know,
1: go out and like
0: went out and played football.
1: Went out and played football. Went out and did like physical labor jobs. So like they didn't have time to like let their imaginations. Because like back then, kids went to work as soon as they could. Yeah. So he was in poor health for the first about ten years of his life. His mother tried various like um or like uh uh what's it called herbal medication and like holistic medicine the holistic medicines and whatnot because that's really all there was at the time let's be real
0: crystal healing yeah
1: you know (laughs) (laughs) she's sitting over there like uh, meditating over him no um but she tried a bunch of stuff uh Clemens was often coddled as opposed to, like, his siblings and whatnot, particularly by his mother. And he developed an early tendency to test her indulgence through mischief.
2: Uh
1: Uh-oh. Tom Sawyer is Mark Twain, or Samuel Clemens. So he ended up basing Tom Sawyer, the story we all know, um, on himself as a child. So he got into a lot of instances and whatnot as a kid. You know, like, nothing crazy and, like, like g- breaking the law, but you know, he, he, was, was, a troublemaker. he was a troublemaker, a mischief maker. Um,
0: he was, he was a firm believer in um, it's better to ask for forgiveness it, than for permission.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Um, so when he was four, um, they left Florida, Missouri and moved to Hannibal, Missouri, which is where many of these stories take place. Um, this was a port town on the Mississippi River. And this was inspired... Um, that inspired the fictional town of St. Petersburg and the adventures of Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn. But also he used Hannibal as a like actual location in many of his books. Uh, Twain left school after fifth grade when his father died suddenly of pneumonia. Um, his dad had been an attorney um, and just got sick. So he decided to leave school... Um, but because he was sickly, he couldn't, like, go and, like, work in the fields and work on a farm right, or something. Right, yeah. So he became a printer's apprentice. Uh, he educated himself in public libraries in the evenings and found that he had wider amounts of information there than in a conventional school.
0: Yeah, so him and Ben Franklin.
1: Yep, yep. He basically was like, well, I know how to read, and I've been in my side my entire life, and now I'm working for a printing press, so now I'm just going to, like, teach myself. When he was 18, he left Hannibal and worked as a printer in New York City, Philadelphia, where we are, St. Louis, and Cincinnati, and he ended up joining the newly formed International Typographical Union, the Printer's Trade Union. And he was a huge, I'm going to get into this, he was a huge advocate for union. He was was a union man? Total union man. Um, so because we know Mark Twain, like we, I think every single one of us, if you, if, at least if you're brought up in America, I think everybody has read some version of Tom, Jeez, I couldn't, shut your mouth, Siri. Nobody uh, asked you anyway. <laughs> my God, I don't even know that happened. Um, if you're in America, and I know many of our listeners are not, mm-hmm. but if you're in America, you've read some version or seen some movie version of Tom Sawyer or Huck Finn or like
0: most yeah. likely, if you're in your 30s, you know, Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn best from the Jonathan Taylor Thomas and.
1: Oh, who is the other? Who is the Huck? The second you say his name, I'm gonna be like, that guy.
0: Brad Renfro.
1: Brad Renfro. I knew yep. it was Brad. Uh, but like I was. Yeah. Brad Renfro. Oh, yes. Um And that was called Tom and Huck, right? That was Tom and Huck. Yeah. And
0: and Becky Thatcher. Was Rachel Lee it was Cook. was Rachel Lee
1: Cook as like yeah. a yeah. I yes. Um, a very young Rachel Lee Cook. Yes. Um, yes, yeah, so you probably saw that. I did the musical version of it in eighth grade in California. <laughs> um and yeah, so and we had an opening number that was like Hannibal, Missouri. did Yeah. I, yeah, that happened. Uh so what I'm gonna talk about since a lot of us have like our knowledge of who Mark Twain is and stuff like I could go through his autobiographical blah 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 but instead I'm going to give you some of these fun facts about him. So, he was a huge proponent for civil rights. He was born of course in Missouri pre-Civil War during when slavery was absolutely legal in in Missouri of uh, yeah, like yeah. um so he was uh this became a theme in his writings um he was an adamant supporter of at the abolition of slavery and the emancipation of slaves. He even said when Lincoln did his proclamation, he said this that not only set the black slaves free, but it set the white man free also, like of their conscience. It's
0: the idea of um, nobody can be free until everybody until is free. Until all people are free, yeah. yes.
1: Um he uh, actually paid for multiple students, um, black students, to attend law school at Yale, um, to attend other universities because they didn't have means, they were newly free and whatnot. So he like basically became a one-man scholarship program. He
0: was doing his part to pay reparations. Yeah,
1: doing it. Yes, he, he basically paid his reparations, yeah. Uh, he was also an advocate, and this is very topical right now, um, for Asian rights and equal treatment. So he argued that, non-whites did not receive justice in America or in the United States by saying I have seen a I have seen the Chinese man abused and maltreated in all the mean, cowardly ways possible to the invention of a degraded nature. But I've never seen a Chinese man righted in a court of justice for wrongs thus done to him.
0: Well, it is a good thing that we have gotten past that and fixed all of those problems. Um,
1: this just keeps going. So this is what I'm focusing on. is like <laughs> right, yeah, current cool, events cool, cool, cool. that Mark Twain was actually not a dick about. Like, he was actually a very, like forward thinking human in so many ways so uh, he was also a huge proponent for women's rights he was a huge part of the suffragette movement suffragette movement (laughs) words are hard Uh, he was an uh, active campaigner for suffrage for suffrage his votes for Women" speech in which he pressed for uh, granting voting rights to women is considered one of the most famous in history so um, I should look up some of that Uh, Helen Keller benefited from Twain's support as she pursued college education in spite of her disabilities. So he was an advocate for Americans with disabilities. Uh, Then they remained friends after he helped her get educated uh, for the next like 16 years or whatnot. Uh, He was also this is this is a little controversial because earlier um, he kind of pulled a Biden in the sense of like I'm not for like um, gay marriage and for like a- abortion. And but now Biden, you know, has seen mm-hmm. the way our errors yep. of his raise, ways. Uh, he uh, became a very strong advocate for Native American rights and Native rights in all countries where white people have become colonizers. So he um, he observed that colonized lands all over the world, natives have always been wronged by the whites. In the most merciless ways, such as robbery, humiliation, slow murder through poverty and the white man's whiskey. Uh, He said there are many humorous things in the world. Among them are the white man's notion that he is less savage than those they label as savage. I was like, that's a good line, man.
0: (laughs) So that was that was a stance that over the course of his lifetime, he he
1: He, like as he like as he saw the world. Because, like you know, in Missouri at the time, that was still very much an yeah. active situation. You know, you're you're taught what you're taught, but he saw that as he uh, traveled the world. Because he went to Europe, he went he saw these things happening and realized that he was in a place of privilege, and it was usually the white men that sucked. So, yep. again, seeing seeing uh, Mark Twain kicking ass. Uh- <laughs> He also kickin again kicking ass
0: is what we do. Kicking kickin ass, ass. kicking
1: ass. That's what Mark Twain tends to do. <laughs> uh, so he also was a huge uh, labor and union supporter, uh, and he gave a speech at the Knights of Labor convention that said, "Quote: Who are the oppressors? The few, the king, the capitalist, and a handful of other overseers and superintendents. Who are the oppressed? The many." The nations of the earth, the valuable personages, the workers, they that make the bread that the soft-handed and idle eat.
0: That sounds very bourgeoisie versus the proletariat Marxist communist rhetoric. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) I was like, that's a speech, bitch. (laughs) So again he was like uh, he was like uh we are only as strong as the the weakest among us and it is not right that the rich remain rich while the poor get poorer oh what would mark twain say today
0: um let's be real what would mark twain say today probably something that would get him put in facebook jail he
1: he would be in (laughs) facebook jail along with me (laughs) samuel clemens join me um, yeah, he'd be in, he'd be in Facebook jail with me for calling some stupid person an idiot, quote, which is why I was in Facebook jail for a month, <laughs> called someone an idiot because they denied science. In
0: fairness, they were an idiot.
1: They were an idiot. And speaking of science, Twain was fascinated with science and scientific <laughs> inquiry. <laughs> he developed a close and lasting friendship with my favorite person, Nikola Tesla. Yeah. They spent very a lot of time together in Tesla's lab. Oh so shit! He was like, like friends with Tesla. That's like,
0: fucking dope,
1: right? Uh, he was also an early proponent of fingerprinting as a forensic technique. Uh, he featured it in a tall tale in *Life on the Mississippi*, one of his novels mm-hmm. or one of his short collections uh, in 1883, as the central plot element in the novel Puddin'head Wilson* 1894. Yeah. So he like, he was a big proponent for forensic science. Finally, and this one's just really cool. Twain's novel, A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, which came out in 1889.
0: Great goddamn book.
1: Yep. Features a time traveler from the contemporary U.S. using his knowledge of science to introduce modern technology to our theory in England. This type of historical manipulation became a trope in fiction Like in the future, he was one of the first people to like
0: time travel,
1: like to be like time travel. So what would we do without that? We, and also that was the inspiration for the nineties classic, a kid in King King Arthur's Arthur's court, Court. which was Kate one of Kate Winslet's first movies. So, you know, thank you world. So those are his kind of like, wow, he was way ahead of his time and, or like created what came later, such as time travel. So I wanted to talk briefly about this critical reviews and why we said screw you, Mark Twain, um, in the previous episode. And we've kind of continued with that whenever his name comes up. So he actually, um, in in general, his life was, it was good. Like he was married, um, very happily married um, and whatnot. But um, near the end of his life, he lost both of his daughters and his wife of 34 years within a span of like seven years and had to file for bankruptcy because his publishing company and some investments in inventions went under. So he basically, um, the end of his life was rough. And so basically to make ends meet, while well, he was in this depressive state, he started doing literary criticism. Um, so uh, this it started with, he famously derided James Fenimore Cooper on an article detailing Cooper's literary offenses.
0: Jesus. Yeah.
1: Um, he
0: just took shots at everyone, huh? Oh yeah,
1: he became an extremely outspoken critic of other authors, uh, of other authors and other critics that praised Cooper's work, um, including uh, Brader Matthews, Wilkie Collins, who we've read, and said before you should before you praise Cooper's work, you ought to read you ought to have read some of it. <laughs> um, quote. He also said George Eliot. He also had tiffs with George Eliot, Jane Austen, and Robert Louis Stevenson also came under attack from him. Um and yeah, he kind of became notorious for kind of having strong opinions about writers and I don't condone ever lashing out and like depression and mental health is never an excuse, but clearly he was not his best self yeah. when he was doing these and Fair enough. He became very critical of the world and what was considered successful because he had
0: because he had been and suddenly of, he yeah. wasn't anymore. Yeah.
1: So, so my final little fun thing about Mister Clemens slash Mark Twain um, is he came into the world and went out with Haley's comet. So, he was born two weeks after Haley's comet, uh, comet's closest approach in eighteen thirty five. And he said in 1909, quote, I came in with Halley's Comet. It is coming again next year, and I expect to go out with it. It will be the greatest disappointment of my life if I do not go out with Halley's Comet. The Almighty has said, no doubt, now here are these two unaccountable freaks. They came in together, and they must go out together. So Twain's prediction was accurate. He died of a heart attack on April 21st, 1910 in Stormfield one day after the comet's closest approach to Earth. So that's kind of incredible, honestly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and as we- So he
0: he personally lived up to his own literary sense of the dramatic.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh so when he died uh, William Taft gave a speech and named him one of America's like greatest gifts of of all time especially at that time. Yeah,
0: most important literary figures yeah. and blah blah blah, yeah.
1: Yep, and we all know him today. So he continues to be an enduring part of American literature. So today you will be reading The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County. <laughs> It is a 1865 short story. This was his first great success as a writer and brought him to national attention. Ooh. The story has also been published as Jim Smiley and his jumping frog. That is the original title, but later in it remains the notorious jumping frog of Cavalier's County.
0: Great. Let's do it. Let's start this fire. The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County, by Mark Twain. In compliance with the request of a friend of mine who wrote me from the East, I called on good-natured, garrulous old Simon Wheeler and inquired after my friend's friend, Leonidas W. Smiley, as requested to do, and I hereon to append the result.
1: Okay, so we got a narrator. So it's like, I love that Leonidas W. Smiley.
0: That's the name. That is
1: a name. Yep. (laughs) Leonidas. I've never heard that name in my life. Have you? Leonidas? Like, not, not, I know there's a Shakespeare character that's
0: Leontes. Leontes. Leonidas was the name of the the king and chief general of the Spartans at the Battle of Thermopylae.
1: that you have that knowledge right here in your head and you're yeah. like well duh
0: <laughs> well that also makes him gerard butler in the movie 300
1: oh which i've never seen okay so i, I which i know people at home are like what because <laughs> i'm a nerd and i like action movies but no um so we'll watch that okay yeah. leonidas
0: yeah leonidas
1: all right so leonidas is gerard butler now in my head
0: great I have a lurking suspicion that Leonidas W. Smiley is a myth, (laughs) that my friend never knew such a personage, and that he only conjectured that if I asked old Wheeler about him, it would remind him of his... Infamous Jim Smiley, and he would go to work and bore me nearly to death with some infernal reminiscence of him as long and tedious as it should be useless to me. If that was the design, it certainly succeeded.
1: Oh no! <laughs> His friend done fucked him up. He's like, yeah, go ask that creepy guy at the bar about Leonidas W. Smiley and see what happens. Dun,
2: dun.
0: (laughs) I found Simon Wheeler dozing comfortably by the barroom stove of the old dilapidated tavern In the ancient mining camp of angels, and I noticed that he was fat and bald-headed and had an expression of winning gentleness and simplicity upon his tranquil countenance. He roused up and gave me good day. I told him a friend of mine had commissioned me to make some inquiries about a cherished companion of his boyhood named Leonidas W. Smiley, Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, a young minister of the gospel who he had heard was at one time a resident of Angel's Camp. I added that if Mr. Wheeler could tell me anything about this Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, I would feel under many obligations to him.
1: Um, I'm just saying Reverend Smiley sounds like the best minister or the creepiest minister ever.
0: Reverend <laughs> Smiley like, sounds like a character in a Stephen King novel. I
1: was going to say, it sounds like the clown. It sounds like a like creepy-ass clown yeah. that's named itself Reverend Smiley.
0: Yeah, I don't love that. I'm
1: like, <laughs> and this is his childhood friend? Like, uh-oh. Like, either it was an imaginary friend or... <laughs> Or it was a demon that lived under the streets.
0: (laughs) Simon Wheeler backed me into a corner and blockaded me there with his chair and then sat me down and reeled off the monotonous narrative which follows this paragraph. He never smiled. He never frowned, he never changed his voice from the gentle flowing key to which he tuned the initial sentence, he never betrayed the slightest suspicion of enthusiasm, but... All through the interminable narrative there ran a vein of impressive earnestness and sincerity which showed me plainly that so far from his imagining that there was anything ridiculous or funny about his story, he regarded it as a really important matter and admired its two heroes as men of transcendent genius and finesse.
1: Was that all one sentence?
0: Sure the fuck was. Holy
1: shit, Shakespeare. <laughs> that was a Shakespeare monologue. Like, that was amazing. Also, this guy sounds like the professor you get, like, at 8 a.m. teaching Ecom 101. <laughs> he's just, he very he's very passionate about what he's talking about, but he talks about it like this, and he never really changes the way he talks, and he doesn't really get excited, but he clearly loves what he's talking about, and you're like... Oh, my God, please have more fun.
0: (laughs) He's Ben Stein.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) To me, the spectacle of a man drifting serenely along such a queer yarn without ever smiling was exquisitely absurd. As I said before, I asked him to tell me what he knew of Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, and he replied as follows. I let him go on his own way and <laughs> never interrupted him once.
1: Well, that was nice. So he he sat down with his whiskey or his beer at the bar and he's like, "All right, tell me tell me about Reverend and
0: Smiley." Simon Wheeler went on to ramble off a story that had nothing to do, do with, with Leonidas Reverend Leonidas Smiley. W. Smiley. Yeah.
1: You know. He, let, he go, he's got a, he's got a good tangent.
0: He's good at tangents. He would probably do well on this podcast.
1: Probably. I mean, <laughs> uh, I know I like to roll my mouth off.
0: Roll your mouth off?
1: <laughs> you
0: better find it. You need it.
1: Um, I don't know. My mouth betrays me often. When- <laughs> so do I really? I mean, I guess I do if we're going to do the podcast.
0: For, for the next hour anyway.
1: Okay. I'll keep it. Great. I'll-
0: I'm going to open another drink.
1: Get to be I'm having a vine.
0: Dear listener, the next sound you hear will be the sound of Wicked Weed Brewing Company's fresh-pressed number two, Mango, Pineapple, and Guava, being opened under the microphone.
1: Oh, and it's so good. Wicked Weed, Asheville, North Carolina. Check it out.
0: Get one today.
1: <laughs> I love how we're just starting to advertise without permission to advertise because... We just love these places, and so we're just going to do it for free.
0: (laughs) It's not advertising if they don't pay you for it.
1: It's true. (laughs) But if you want to pay us, uh, www.campfireclassicspodcast.com. Contact us today.
0: It's also not smart if you do it without getting paid (laughs) for it.
1: Um, I don't think we've ever said we're smart. I think we're getting smarter Mm. as we do this podcast. All right. Do tell me a story.
0: So... There was a fella here once by the name of Jim Smiley in the winter of 49, or maybe it was spring of 50. I don't recollect exactly. Somehow, though, what makes me think it was one or the other is because I remember the big flume wasn't finished when he first came to camp. But anyway. Like
1: the log he, flume? Yeah. Like one you can ride on? No, or like the
0: actual like purpose no, of a like log flume. No, like the actual log flume. <laughs>
1: I immediately went to Dollywood last week, and I'm like, wee, log
0: flume. No, because the ride the log flume is based, based, based on, on an actual act- functioning thing <laughs> that served a real-life purpose for, like, decades, if not centuries. It now
1: serves a real-life purpose of me having a great time. Yes, the
0: log flume is the greatest ride at every amusement park, it really is. It just like it really is. I would be, I would be delighted if we every wrote that amusement, more than anything else in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. If every amusement park consisted of
1: like six different log like
0: flumes, three to five log flumes, two really good roller coasters, mm-hmm. and lots of food, yeah, I'd be happy.
1: We were happy at Dollywood Yeah,
0: well, because and especially there was never if a then, line. especially if then on top of that, they all had live performances like Dollywood yeah. does.
1: So we're also advertising for Dollywood.
0: Cheers. Also advertising for Dollywood. Just advertise for whatever we want. But anyway, he was the curious man. Curiousest
1: Curiousist? Yeah.
0: That's the word. <laughs> yes. But anyway, he was the curiousest man about always betting. On anything that turned up, you ever see, if he could get anybody to bet on the other side, and if he couldn't, he'd change sides. Any way that suited the other man would suit him, anyway, just so he's got a bet he was satisfied, but
1: still, he was oh my God, lucky. He's Barney Stinson. uncommon
0: lucky. Yeah,
1: he's Barney Stinson. He's like, I- Challenge accepted. <laughs> like, I'll bet you on anything, I'll, t- I'll take that bet. Yeah. <laughs>
0: He most always come out winner, he was always ready and laying for a chance, there couldn't be no solitary thing mentioned, but that feller'd offer to bet on it, then take any side you please, as I was telling you. If there was a horse race, you'd find him flush or you'd find him busted at the end of it. If there was a dog fight, he'd bet on it. If there was a cat fight, he'd bet on it. (laughs) If there was a chicken fight, he'd bet on it. Why, if there was two birds sitting on a fence, he would bet you which one would fly away or if there was a camp meeting he would be there regular to bet on Parson Walker which he judged to be the best exhorter about here and so he was too and a good man
1: this guy
0: (laughs) has trouble thinking in a straight line clearly
1: oh yeah he's a tangent king
0: If he ever seen a straddle bug start to go anywhere, he would bet you how long it would take him to get wherever he was going to. And if you took him up, he would follow the straddle bug to Mexico. But what he would find out... Who the fuck's a straddle bug? I have no idea.
1: (laughs) Straddlebug. straddle bug is a long-legged insect, such as a tumble bug... (laughs) Or a wooden tripod used to mark a boundary, such as a mining claim. That sounds more like what it is. Why he riding it?
0: <laughs> huh? No, he didn't ride it. He'd follow it. He said if he saw a straddle bug walking around, he'd bet on how long it took him, like him to get insect. where he was going.
1: But it's interesting because both definitions... Make like the one definition makes sense, the other one has to do with mining, and they're in a mining town. Yeah, so they both, in a way, could make sense. Yeah, <laughs> yep. All right, so he'd follow a long legged insect,
0: he'd follow it all the way to Mexico, to Mexico just to figure out where he was going to see if he won the bet or not. Yeah, cool lots of the boys here has seen that smiley and can tell you about him what it never made no difference to him he would bet on anything the dangdest feller parson walker's wife laid very sick once for a good while and it seemed as if they weren't gonna save her but one morning he come in and smiley asked how she was and he said she was considerable better thank the lord for his infinite mercy than coming on so smart that with the blessing of providence she'd get well yet and smiley before he thought says well i'll risk two and a half that she don't anyway oh, shit. um <laughs>
1: that takes some fucking knockers uh, under in your pants to uh bet against the freaking pastor's wife's life. <laughs> yes, I said some knockers in my
0: pants. That, that takes some f- fucking knockers?
1: I, I was trying to be interesting and instead of just... You succeeded in being in, interesting. Instead of just saying balls, I was trying to make my vocabulary a little bigger. <laughs> so I knockers in his so pants. So you went with
0: knockers in his pants? <laughs>
1: yeah. Takes some serious knockers testicular in your pants. torsion. your <laughs> <laughs> See, that time I just wanted to see you react. No! No, I think... (laughs) I've broken Ken's crotch.
0: No! You don't want testicular torsion. What you want is testicular fortitude. (laughs) Testicular torsion is, I mean... I, that's a good way to torture information out of somebody, but I don't know if it's.
1: <laughs> I just like. I just wanted to see your reaction. <laughs> so okay, it takes a lot of balls, I guess. Then we'll just go with the generic um, to uh, bet against the, the the religious leader's wife's life. I mean, in town. you could
0: you could have you could have gone with it takes a meaty vag, but like.
1: Eh, what? Eh, what? Ah. Testicular it takes a torsion? Takes some beefy taco in there. T- <laughs> <laughs> takes a beefy taco in your skirt to, to bet against the master's
0: wife. <laughs> oh.
1: That you, digressed have you,
0: have you Have you met Heather? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's real brave. Oh, yeah. I've heard that. Yeah, she got a real beef taco in her pants.
1: You know what? I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. Um, I'll take that. I will take that. I guess as long as it's not like a tuna taco.
0: Yeah, I heard. I heard she called some Karen an idiot on Facebook. Got her thrown in the slammer. Oh yeah, that takes a meaty one.
1: That takes a meaty taco, y'all. <laughs> oh, I hate to think the Wikipedia articles that will be written about this podcast. <laughs> we
0: just campfire couldn't. classics hosts. Ken Sandberg and Heather Michelle Lawler coined the term beef taco as a feminine version of brass balls.
1: Yeah, beef taco. La- ladies, you wear those beef tacos and you wear them proud because we are going to take over the
0: fucking world. Oh, <laughs> beef tacos fuck unite. Me. This year Smiley had a mare, and the boys called her the 15-minute nag, but (laughs) that was only in fun, you know, because, of course, she was faster than that, and he used to win money on that horse. For all, she was so slow and always had the asthma or the distemper or the consumption or something of that kind, they used to give her two or three hundred yards start then pass her underway. But always at the end of the race she'd get excited and desperate like and come cavorting and straddling up and scattering her legs around limber sometimes in the air sometimes out to one side amongst the fences and kicking up mohor dust and raising more racket with her coughing and sneezing and blowing in her nose and always fetch up at the stand just about a neck ahead, as near as you could cipher it down. And he had a little small bull pup <laughs>
1: Wait, that t- so I'm not gonna lie, it took me a while during that last very long sentence to realize we weren't talking about the pastor's wife anymore. We were talking about a horse.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, he had a mare.
1: He had, had a mare, a mare. Well, Smiley
0: I- had a mare Smiley had a a, a, a lady horse yes. You thought he was being <laughs> Offensive about a lady
1: <laughs> She had asthma And like issues
0: And they called her The 15 they minute nag The
1: 15 minute nag
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah She could go on But I'll tell you what She had a beef taco <laughs>
1: So she always surprised us. (laughs) We never knew what to expect, but Smiley always seemed to
0: know. (laughs) Uh, And he had a little small bull pup that to look at him, you'd think he was worth a cent, but to sit around and look ornery and lay for a chance to steal something but as soon as money was up on him he was a different dog his underjawed began to stick out like the foc'sle of a steamboat and his teeth would uncover and shine savage like the furnaces and a dog might tackle him and bully rag him and bite him and throw him over his shoulder two or three times and Andrew Jackson which was the name of the pup Andrew (laughs) Jackson would never let on but what he was satisfied and hadn't expected nothing else than the bets being doubled and doubled on the other side all the time till the money was all up and then all of a sudden he would grab that other dog just by the gint of his hind leg and freeze on it not chew, you understand but just grip and hang on till they thronged up the sponge if it was a year (laughs) Smiley always come out winner on that pup, dog (laughs) fights are not cool, don't fight dogs don't forget to spay and neuter your pets
1: yes, thank you Bob Barker that is correct
0: Bob Barker, doing doing the lord's work
1: all, the only time you should fight with your pets is when you're play fighting like Ken does with all the puppies and the kitties and they like play back and they're like um,
0: I,
2: uh, Ken is I am not play. a
0: person I am not a person who tends to um, brag about my own talents very well um, in, in fact uh, much to I think sometimes my own detriment I have difficulty talking about what skills I do have. However, one thing that I am very good at, that I am very proud and I of- I can
1: vouch for this. Is
0: riling up other people's pets just before I give them back for nap time.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, he's so good. So if you need to wear out a pet, just uh, hire Ken to come over for like half an hour to an hour. And that dog or kitty or probably child. I, I, yes, child. Children too. Children too. <laughs> We'll sleep like a baby.
0: <laughs> um, but a good baby who sleeps, not a baby like me who didn't sleep for three years.
1: Well, maybe that's why you're good at riding and not slow <laughs> to sleep, to make up for it.
0: Well, this year, Smiley had rat terriers and chicken cocks and tomcats and all of them kinds of things till you couldn't rest and you couldn't fetch nothing for him to bet on, but he'd match you. He catched a frog one day and took him home and said he calculated, this is written in dialect. Dialect,
1: because I like to give you those stories yeah, without knowing that I'm doing it.
0: you are cruel and awful. I
1: don't you, ever know. I... You
0: give me dialect and I give you French. Exactly. <clears throat>
1: <laughs> and we never do it intentionally. He catched a
0: frog one day and took him home and said he calculated to educate him. <laughs>
1: Good job. Uh, good luck there, sir.
0: Yeah, so he never did nothing for three months but sat in his back deck and learned that frog to jump. And <laughs> you bet you he did learn him, too. He'd give him a little punch behind, and the next minute you'd see that frog whirling in the air like a donut. See him turn one somersault, or maybe a couple. If he got a good start... Uh, You'd see that frog whirling in the air like a donut, see him turn one somerset, or maybe a couple if he got a good start, and come down flat-footed and all right like a cat. (laughs) He got him up so in the matter of catching flies and kept him in practice so constant that he'd nail a fly every time as far as he could see him. Smiley said, all the frog wanted was education, and he could do most anything, (laughs) and I believe him.
1: All the frog wanted was education. Why, Definitely not to go back to the creek where you took him from. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm just educating a damn frog.
0: Why, I've seen him set Daniel Webster down here on the floor. Daniel Webster was the name of the frog, and sing out, flies, Daniel flies and quicker than you could wink he'd spring straight up and snake a fly off in the counter there and flop down on the floor again as solid as a god of mud and fall to scratch the side of his head with his hind foot as indifferent as if he had not no idea he'd been doing any more than any frog might do
1: so this is my assessment with this guy and like um the the narrator and the person he is speaking of, Mr. Jim Smiley. Um, you know how water wasn't safe to drink back in the day? hmm um, drinking too much gin <laughs> leads to poor life choices. <laughs> like, couldn't drink the water, so just drinking the gin and the beer, and they're like, and so it leads to spending three months training a frog that you caught at a crick. <laughs>
0: So while we were at Jep the Creed, yes, we learned about um, one of the things that so one, one of the reasons that there are such strict rules about what counts as a bourbon is because historically, yep. there were people who went around uh, and told distillers, "Hey, I can age your bourbon Fast. quicker." than just letting it to sit and age, and they go, oh, well, great, cool, yeah, sure, here's your 20 bucks, and you can age my bourbon barrel, and that'll be great, Mm -hmm. and they would add things to the bourbon, like um, Iodine. iodine, and wood varnish, and like the spit from the tobacco spittoon,
1: so people and, were dying, and
0: it would it would make the bourbon poisonous, and in some cases, I imagine hallucinogenic.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> which is how the whole like uh, regulation of liquor and alcohol like uh, board was created and whatnot. But yes, yes, I have a feeling the gin and bourbon and whiskey and whatever these guys are drinking might make you it's, think you can train a frog to do whatever you want. Probably
0: not just alcohol.
1: Nope. It's also got some woo-woo juice in it.
0: You never see a frog so modest and straightforward as he was for all he was so gifted. And when it come to fair and square jumping on a dead level, he could get over more ground in one straddle than any animal of his breed you ever see. Jumping on a dead level was his strong suit, you understand. And when it come to that, Smiley would ante up money on him as long as he had a red. Smiley was monstrous proud of his frog and well he might be for fellows that had traveled and been everywhere all said he laid over any frog that ever they see well well Smiley kept the beast in a little lattice box, and he used to fetch him downtown sometimes and lay for a bet. One day, a feller, a stranger in camp, he was come across him with his box and says, What might it be that you've got in the box? What's in the box?
2: What's in the
0: box? (laughs) And Smiley says, Well, it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head." head.
1: Spoiler alert. (laughs)
0: And Smiley says, sort of indifferent like, it might be a parrot, or it might be a canary, maybe. But if it ain't, it's only just a frog. (laughs) And the feller took it and looked at it careful and turned it round this way and that and says, hmm, so tis, well, what's it good for? (laughs) Well, Smiley says, easy and careless, He's good enough for one thing. I should judge he could outjump any frog in Calaveras County. The fella okay. took the box again and took another long particular look and give it back to Smiley and says very deliberate, Well, I don't see no points about the frog that's any better than any other frog. <laughs> Maybe you don't, says Smiley. Maybe you understand frogs, and maybe you don't understand them. Maybe you've had experience, and maybe you ain't only an amateur, as it were. Anyways, I've got my opinion, and I'll risk $40 that he can outjump any frog in Calabaris County. And the feller studied a minute, then says, kind of sad, like, well... I'm only a stranger here, and I ain't got no frog. But if I had a frog, I'd bet ya. And then Smiley says, "That's all right. That's all right. If you'll hold my box a minute, I'll go get you a frog." And so the feather. And Don't so the feather. Hold my feller, box
1: for a minute. And I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll get you a horny toad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's how it works. Yep.
1: <laughs> also, forty dollars is a lot of money back then.
0: That's yeah, is this 18, is eighteen this is eighteen forty nine.
1: Yeah, that's a big ass bet.
0: Or possibly the spring of eighteen fifty. Don't we remember don't exactly remember when. Real. I just know that when he got here the log <laughs> flume wasn't finished yet.
1: Log flume won't done yet. Which yeah. was
0: disappointing because it's a real good ride, and I think he probably would have bet people about how wet they would have gotten if it had been around.
1: Especially while they held their box.
0: And he got the horny toad. (laughs) And so the feller took the box and put up his $40 along with smileys and sat down to wait. So he sat there a good while thinking and thinking to his self. And then he got the frog out and prized his mouth open and took a teaspoon and filled him full of quail shot. Filled him pretty near up to his chin and set him on the floor
1: whale shot what's that
0: um like S- the, steroids no the little metal balls from a shotgun shell
1: he put them in the frog's mouth
0: yeah weighing him down
1: the stranger did
0: stranger did it yeah
1: uh that frog ain't gonna keep them in his mouth that frog is not do damn idiot
0: Smiley, he went to the swamp and slopped around in the mud for a long time and finally he catched a frog and fetched him in and give him to this feller and says, now if you're ready, set him alongside of Daniel with his forepaws, just even with Daniel and I'll give the word. Then he says, one, two, three, jump! And him and the fellers touched up the frogs from behind and the new frog hopped off. But Daniel give a heave and hoisted up his shoulders so like a Frenchman, but it wasn't no use. He couldn't budge. He was planted as solid as an anvil, and he couldn't no more stir than if he was anchored out. No. Smiley was a good deal surprised, and he was disgusted too, but he didn't have no idea what the matter was, of course. The feller took the money and started away, and... When he was going out the door, he sort of jerked his thumb over his shoulder this way at Daniel and he says, very deliberate, Well, I don't see no points about that frog. It's any better than any other frog. Smiley, he stood scratching his head and looking down at Daniel a long time and at last he says, I do wonder what in the nation that frog throwed off. For I wonder if there ain't something the matter with him. He appears to look mighty baggy somehow. And he catched Daniel up by the nape of the neck and lifted him up and says, Why, blame my cats if he don't weigh five pounds. (laughs) And turned him upside down and he belched a double handful of shot. And then, he see how it was, and he was the maddest man. He set the frog down and took out after that feller, but he never catched him. And here, Simon Wheeler heard his name called from the front yard and got up to see what was wanted. And turning to me as he moved away, he said, Just set where you are, stranger, and rest easy. I ain't going to be but a second. (laughs) But by your leave, I did not think that a continuation of the history of the enterprising vagabond, Jim Smiley, (laughs) would be likely to afford me much information concerning Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley. And so I started away. At the door, I met the sociable Wheeler returning, and he buttonholed me
1: oh, no. and
0: recommenced.
1: Oh, no. He's like, where are you going? Get on back in here.
0: Well, this year Smiley had a yeller, one-eyed cow that didn't have no tail and only just a short little stump like a banana, and <laughs> oh, hang Smiley and his afflicted cow, I muttered <laughs> good-naturedly, and bidding the old gentleman good day. I departed. The end.
2: What?
0: <laughs> oh,
1: no! Oh, my God, that was damn stupid. <laughs>
2: mm.
0: So, that was the legendary tale of the jumping frog of. K- K- Kav- Calab- Calavera. Calaveras Calavera County. Not Calabasas. That's where yeah. Schmidt's dad has yeah, a winery.
1: <laughs> Which is great. Although probably in the same, same area, part of the same part of the world. It's, it's California. Yep. Um, wow. Uh, so basically, don't go to a bar at the request of a friend asking about something <laughs> without without an easy out. <laughs> oh.
0: See, excuse me, I have consumed a beer more quickly than I should have. Um, That's not the moral I took from that story. The moral I took from that story is...
1: Don't leave your frog with people?
0: Don't bet on animal athletics.
1: Well, don't bet on athletics in general, I feel like, because, you know, things happen. Um, but also, um, don't leave your prize toad with the guy that you're betting the equivalent of, like, $500 or something, <laughs> Yeah. Also, maybe maybe like give your frog a pep talk before it starts the race. So like pick it up and he would have noticed right away and be like, yeah, you got this, da- Daniel, Daniel, Dan, yeah, Daniel, Daniel Webster. You got this, Daniel Webster. You got this. Uh, and he would have noticed because he would have been a good good pet pet.
0: Person. Yeah, so you're never supposed to look a gift horse in the mouth, but you should always look a racing frog in the mouth. Absolutely. Just to make sure their mouth isn't full of, like, a- lead a- ball bearings. Lead
1: balls. <laughs> also, I feel like that would kill the frog.
0: Well, yeah, probably. But
1: yeah. yeah, but, you know, that wouldn't make a very good story if the frog just died right
0: there. If the frog croaked.
1: Eh! And- See, I was thinking when you said something about a Frenchman, he did something like a Frenchman. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, they're going to eat the frog legs. (laughs) Uh, I was like, oh, no. Um, Yeah, that was ridiculous. Um, That is the story that launched uh, Mr. Mark Mark Twain's career. All right,
0: all right. Um, I would like to offer, on behalf of Campfire Classics, a... Cautious apology to the reckless slander that we have directed towards Mr. Samuel Clemens. (laughs) Yes. It sounds like he did mostly good work during his life. He
1: did mostly good work. He just was very opinionated. He had a large beef taco in his pants.
0: He did. (laughs) Dude had a big old beef taco. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Which... Probably made those white linen pants that he often wore lay real funny.
1: Uh, So, yay Mark Twain for inspiring all the things. And I no longer say screw you. I say more power to you and your beef talk. I don't know.
0: I'm still a little bit screw I mean, you, Mark Twain. I'm just, I'm, I am, this is, I'm considering this a cautious apology.
1: Cautious apology to Mr. Mark Twain. Yes. To Mr. Samuel Clemens. Yeah. What would uh should uh, uh uh i think our i think our secret word this week should uh be beef taco Beef taco Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> beef
1: tacos unite.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so um if you've made it this far and because <laughs> you're hearing me say this i know you have made it this far. Hi. First of all, thank you. You, yes you, and yes, i am actually talking to you. You, you are my favorite listener. Thank you. Thank you for making it this far. Now, to let us know that you have made it this far, please shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram or uh, Twitter. TikTok or Twitter or email. to our email at 5050 production at gmail.com. That's 5050, the the numerals not spelled out 5050, uh, artsproduction at gmail.com with the secret phrase beef, beef taco, taco. <laughs> and that will let us know that you have made it this far and we'll we'll get a chuckle about it We'll when enjoy we see it and it. we
1: will respond if you message us we will respond and uh, start a dialogue with you and we like to talk to our listeners so uh yes please do that uh yeah tell five friends go get some taco Tuesday because this comes out on Tuesday. <laughs>
0: Yes.
1: Go get your taco Tuesday on y'all.
0: <laughs> please send us a message that says beef taco, but also a picture please- of you. Please spam our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter accounts with just pictures of tacos. Just
1: tacos all day on Tuesday, like just as many taco pictures. as This this as week, just
0: send us as many taco pictures as you can. <laughs> and I don't I don't mean in direct messaging, although you can send us yeah. direct messages no, with tacos do it publicly. too. I mean, like on our page.
1: And then if you tag watch, us in pictures yeah. of
0: tacos,
1: include the link to the episode, just like. Just whatever you got to do. Yeah. Tacos, tacos all day. Beef yeah. Tacos all day.
0: <laughs> Hashtag beef tacos. Hashtag
1: beef tacos. Campfire classics. <laughs> I think that's it. Great. Go listen to Superiority Complex. Uh, check out Tuesday, Tuesday tailgate. tailgate. Also Tuesday um, getting their taco on. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you for listening, whether this was your first or your 56th episode this is 56
0: good lord i know yeah it is i
1: know thank you for being loyal listeners and thank you for being new listeners and everywhere in between we love you and uh we'll see you next week
0: so uh next week is our one year anniversary it uh, it should be a good one We'll, we'll have fun with it uh until then, I hope that your taco stays meaty. This has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf.
1: Crunch, crunch. Meaty taco. Take it over the world with my beefy Taco. <laughs>